Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We're going to begin a new series right now called Elephant Hunters. Now, if you're wondering what that means, we're referring to the phrase that you've probably heard many times. How many of you have heard the phrase, the elephant in the room? How many of you have had elephants in your room before or in an environment where you knew there was an awkwardness that was there and and everyone knew but no one would talk about it you ever been there before I'm so glad you're awake this morning that's where we're at in America right now that is where we are at in America There are elephants everywhere. And they're stopping and intimidating the church from being effective, uh, from questioning our faith, from wondering if we're going to offend someone or not and being so fearful. Now, not you. I'm not talking about us. But I am saying that if there's ever been a time to kill some elephants it's right now it's right now how many elephant hunters do we have in the place I'm I'm talking about people who aren't afraid to deal with issues people that will talk about it to help somebody not to hurt somebody but to help somebody one of our staff members said um, when I gave them the title they jokingly said do you think anyone would get offended because of animal rights because we're killing elephants and my my response to them was if anyone thinks we're really hunting elephants they're idiots (laughs) that's too strong of a word well here's what we're going to do the topics that we are hitting on are the topics that need to be discussed in the church I don't want you to think of other churches because I can name a number of churches that are discussing these issues and topics Because it's our job and it's our responsibility to keep our family safe. Not just physically, but spiritually. We do not hate people. We love people. All people. God went and died and sent his son to die for everyone. But not everything is of God. And the day and the hour that we are living in, when someone says to you, I am a Christian, that might not be, they may not hold the same definition of that label that you would hold. There are a lot of people that believe in Jesus. The Muslims believe in Jesus. The Hindus believe in Jesus. The devil believes in Jesus. Christians believe in Jesus. So the question is um, not do you believe in Jesus, but the question is do you know who he is, what he has done, and the reward for living for him? Because there are three topics that are being attacked right now in our society. The first one is the validation of Jesus Christ being the Son of God, the Messiah, God in the flesh. The second one is that the Word of God is flawed and can't be trusted. 
That's the second stance in our society. The third one is there is no hell or heaven in some cases that we are living our reward right now. That thought and that idea comes from something, and I want you to write this down. And by the way, every service you come to, come prepared because you're going to learn something. We'll tell you when we're going to have a moment where we're going to run, and I'm just joking, we don't run here. But if someone does, be careful, don't trip. There'll be moments when we allow the Spirit of God to move because God does want to move at different times and do different things. But most of the time, we're here to educate, to teach, to help and encourage. So come with something to write with. Uh, take your phones out. Go pull your notes out. We don't care if you have your laptops. Just don't surf. Don't use the Internet. You're going to slow down our live stream. But we want you to learn. And I want you to write this down because we're going to be talking about understanding progressive Christianity. What I just described to you in those identities and theories and ideas is called progressive Christianity. That's what's new. Now, I want you to take note that there is nothing new under the sun. This has been around for a very long time. They just put a different label on it. It's the truth because these ideas existed in the times of the apostles and in the day of Jesus Christ. It just now there's a different label and they call it progressive Christianity. So when you ask somebody, they say, or they ask you, are you a Christian? You're going to start hearing this when, when they respond to you. So am I. I'm a progressive Christian. And I'm going to explain that to you. Can we pray right now and just ask God to bless this word? Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you today to anoint this moment. We ask you to touch every heart. Let every heart be receptive, God, of your instruction and of your word. We ask for the simplicity of the word of God to be displayed today. And let us grow in this moment and edify and be encouraged in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for giving me your attention. So let's be go ahead and just create a little more of a segue into what we're doing today. This, this progressive Christianity is something that's really growing very strong. And it's already happened in Victoria. Some of you may not have come encounter with this. Some of you probably have. But I've had people approach my, my, our staff and people come to us already saying and asking, how do we deal with this? What do we do? Our main focus in this church is always going to be to stand on God's word, engage with his spirit, and choose our battles wisely. You do not have to engage in any debate or argument concerning God's word. When God's word becomes a sword, it's then a weapon to do two things, to ward off every evil spirit and to protect from spirits. That's a two-edged sword meant to destroy and to guard. But when it's dealt with humanity, we're not 
called to joust or fight. Jesus said those that live by the sword will perish by the sword as well. But the word of God was meant to be, meant to be bred, shared with someone, not argued or debated. There will be times where you do have to take a stand. And we can't turn a blind eye and act like nothing's going on or nothing is happening. Because here's how the enemy works. In the hour that we are living in right now, the culture is setting the tone for the nation. And unless the church gets a backbone and starts teaching their families what's right, what's wrong, and what's going on, we're going to lose our children, grandchildren, and future generations. You may be okay because you've lived life, you've been taught, you're grounded and you're rooted, but what about your offspring? And what about your children? And what about your relatives? What's the solution? How do we deal with this? Well, let me identify this. Progressive Christianity begins with the mindset on something called, and you can write this down, pantheism. Pantheism. Theism. Theism means that God is supreme being. Theism. Like there are different forms of theism, like polytheism, monotheism, the belief in more than one God, and the monotheism, the belief in one God, theism. That God is supreme being. But pantheism, pantheism says that God is everywhere. Now, panentheism is P-A-N-E-N, theism. Just two letters added to the word says that God is everything. Sounds simple. And when you come up and you're approached by someone, because a lot of people have adopted a mindset not really understanding the root of where it came from and the thought process. So I'm breaking this down to teach you the root of where this is stemming from. A lot of people believe that this progressive God He's not only everywhere, he's everything. And the other flip side says that the universe and God coexist. The other one said God is the universe. Now, to you and I, at that statement, we may not be able to really, like, disagree with it or think about it for a while. It even sounds kind of confusing. But here's the premise behind it. The premise is, is that God since he is everything, that as the universe grows and everything in the universe, including the culture, so God grows with it. Making God like a man who grows in wisdom and maturity. So it goes and gives the foundation in the culture right now that we are having Forced, now I hate to use the word forced because you and I have a choice of 
who you listen to, who you allow to entertain you, and what you watch, right? I mean, we do. We have a choice. Like, for example, did, did I show up at your house this morning? Hey, it's me. Time for church. Get ready. You're going to be late. I got a good word. Nobody showed up at your house this Well, maybe someone showed up at your house, but I didn't show up at your house. I'm not making you sit here right now. Your, your wife may have made you sit here right now, but I didn't make you. No one forces anyone to fall in love with Jesus. No one forces anybody. But what's happening right now in our nation and is actually evolving and moving into our city. I am preaching not to the nations. I don't have a platform for that. I have a platform for Victoria and Riverside Church. Facebook, and we're doing this live stream right now, is really not meant to reach the whole world. I mean, that'd be great. But we're here and offering that for the members of the church that aren't able to be here. We have our perspective. We know our lane. We know where we're at. I'm not limiting our, our reach. But if you're not focused on your real responsibility, you're going to outreach your responsibility and not take care of what really matters. What really matters to us is to protect and encourage our church family and make you aware that there is deception out there in this world. It has been there for a very long time, but now you're starting to see it forced on us. Every agenda. During this time, we're not doing, I'm going to give you a proper introduction today. But later during this series, I'm telling you here right now, we are going to be dealing with things that no one wants to talk about, the elephants in the room, from a biblical perspective, because I believe, I really do believe that you have the right to know where your church stands on this, what we believe. We're going to be dealing with hot topics such as homosexuality, the origin, how we deal with it, what do we do? Do we make a big deal about it? Do we argue? Do we? We're going to talk about these things in a candid conversation, conversational manner, from a biblical perspective. But at the end of the day, here's the basis for our approach. It doesn't matter what Pastor Bobby says or even what you say. All that matters is what the Word of God says. So we're not here to argue or debate. We are here to inform and validate this word. Again, one of the three thoughts is the word of God can't be trusted. It's flawed because it was written by flawed people. And there are nothing more than opinions in that book. So when we look right now, and we're dealing with people, you know, you can't live life without dealing with people. You're going to be around people who have different belief systems. And a lot of people say, I am Christian. We're not doing this so we can be arrogant and we can be judgmental. But we are doing this so you can be aware and you can evaluate where do you really stand in your heart, in your faith in God. But it is your responsibility for you and I'm going to say the man first. 
as the man, if you are the father of your home, the husband to your wife. This may sound old-fashioned, but I think it's still right. Every man should lead their home spiritually and should be the main person that's going to lead their family morally. We have our wives who are precious, who are, have been given to us as a gift from God, and the Scripture encourages the men and tells the men that we ought to lay down our life for our wives and love them as Jesus loved the church. Love and respect. But that's not the argument. The stance we have to make is based on our faith and what we believe. Who, Jesus, who was he? Let's begin with God. Here's the stance and the difference between what you believe and what is out there right now. Panentheism, most definitely, I will tell you right now, is not biblically correct. It believes that God is everything, but the, te- the, the, the Bible does not say God is everything. It says God is everywhere. If you want scripture for that, Psalms 139, 7 and 8. It also says, and they believe that God grows in knowledge as we grow and adapts to circumstances as the culture adapts. And as the universe grows, God grows with it, limiting God to be like man. But the scripture doesn't teach that. The scripture teaches that God has all power and authority. He was, is, and always will be. No one formed him, no one made him, God was. He is the great I am. When we look at this, the deity of God and his holiness and his attributes of who he is in his nature has a lot to do with our goal to be in the image of God. The approach to progressive Christianity is influenced by post-liberalism, post-modernism, and claims Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior only in certain areas of our lives. For example, the stance that the world is taking right now to confuse the church is that Jesus didn't die for my sin. He died so you won't judge me, not him judging me, so you won't judge me. He freed me from the bondage of being judged by you. Have you ever heard, only God can judge me? You have no right. Well, we don't judge people. But God came to do more than deliver us from being bullied. And I don't know of anybody in my circle or people that I know in this church that would actually go out and bully other people because they don't know Jesus like you do. I've never met anybody like that. What's happening in our world right now is that there are people who claim to be Christian and those that are not that have other issues in their life and are fighting for the wrong cause. But you can't identify one person based on the wrong of someone else. 
Like, for example, you can't come to this church and look at me and say all he wants is the money. Because I saw another preacher driving a Ferrari or a Lamborghini and saw their mansion. Have you seen my house and have you seen my truck? So you can't label everybody the same. You can't label every Christian the same either. The Apostle Paul began to write to the church and said, not everyone that says they're Israel is Israel. Nothing new. This is something that's been for, forever in the culture and the existence of the church. In his day, they were practicing the law, and they had problems with that, people being stuck on an old systematic way. And, 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 and then, then Jesus comes in and reveals himself as the Messiah, and then those that followed Jesus were declared heretics. There are so many points of view. It's so confusing. What do we do? I don't know what to do, Pastor Bobby. I mean, the emphasis on salvation is not, is not based on our eternal reward because that's the other stance. The other stance is by this new progressive movement is that there is no hell. And in some cases, there is no heaven. But our reward is here right now. Right? It's all about the cheddar. Is that too old of a saying? What's a new one? It's all about the bread. It's all about a gain right now. And no consequence. So there is no hell. There is no consequence. But that's the confusing part. But that's not what God planned for us. I'm going to read you a scripture, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Paul writes and says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Now, there's a future time, and even the scripture says it right here. The biggest argument also is that God didn't come. God, you know, no one can judge me. The judgment was on Jesus and he paid the price. Therefore, I'm good. But Jesus did say, I'm not, I did not come to judge you, but the words that I speak will judge you at the end. So there are consequences for the life that we live. But we don't focus on the consequence. We're not driven by fear. Every Christian should not be driven by whether or not you're going to heaven or hell. Every Christian should be driven by, I love Jesus. I love him for saving me. I love him for how he feels when I approach him. There is an experience that will validate the word of God. That's where the difference is made. And Paul is writing and he says, you know, one day we're, we're, we're going ju to be judged by, by the word of God and by the things that we speak. Uh, it's in the scripture. But, but he said, preach the word of God. Be prepared. Whether the time is favorable or not, not every circumstance and every season is going to be perfect or convenient. But he said this, patiently correct patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teachings. The biggest challenge we have right now is that Christians love 
reinforcing doctrine and values and the word of God down people's throat. And that isn't patience. Someone needs to teach. That's why we come here and we slow down. We slow down. We just don't get up there and get up here with emotion and try to arouse your emotions, you know, arouse them and, and get you worked up on something you agree with. We have to break it down and teach and give an understanding so you can have a healthy approach to what life is offering and giving and sometimes forcing. The church is here to be a light to the world. The church is here to help people become part of God's original plan. What God intended. Here's the Rubik's Cube. How many of you had one growing up? Raise your hands. It comes in the package like this, already set to go. God's original plan was to make sense. God's original plan for us was to start off like Adam and Eve did. But once they stepped out of the garden, rules, you see, it wasn't rules without relationship because the Lord wrote and said that God would come in the coolness of the day to visit with Adam. But somewhere along the way, Eve went and ate of the tree. The problem was stemmed through a relationship that wasn't strong. I personally blame Adam for the problems we have in the world, not God. You want to get mad at somebody, get mad at Adam. Don't get mad at Eve. Because I'm going to tell you something. Too many times, <clears throat> keep looking forward, men. I'm not talking to you, but too many times, men blame their spouses for the problems in their life when the real problem, and I'm speaking as a man, lies in here. Because men were called to lead the family, to protect the family. I mean, so let me ask you a question. If a robber broke into your house, who are you going to call first? Now, my wife would call Jesus. She has more faith in Jesus than she does in me. And I don't blame her. I mean, you know. Most of the time, you call the strong person. You should call the stronger individual who can face someone of opposition. Now that I've gotten older, my kids have gotten bigger, I just say, hey, y'all go take care of that real quick. Did it the other night to my youngest boy. He's getting bigger. I've seen how he handles a bat. I said, go take your bat and go find out what's going on. No problem. I have faith in him. I know, but that's just me. As we grow, as we mature, we look back now and we see where the real problem lies. When I look back in hindsight and look at the Garden of Eden, Somehow, some way, Adam did not convey the message God gave him to Eve strong enough. I mean, I don't know what happened, but my imagination goes like this. This is probably wrong, but this is just my imagination. You know, they, they've noticed the tree. 
They know they weren't supposed to eat from it. At least Adam did. And maybe Eve asked the question, what's that tree? And Adam probably said, oh, don't worry about it. You don't need to eat from it. That's it. Right? Because that's how we do life sometimes. Men, I got you in my radar, men. Men don't like explaining things, right? Just do it because I said. Why? Because I said. But the explanation, because I'm guilty of it all the time. But then when God moves on me, I give an explanation and say, this is why, and blah, 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 blah. Eve didn't get the message. She didn't fully understand it. And guess what happened? She ate of the tree, and it affected all of us. So if you're going to get mad at somebody, get mad at Adam. He wasn't leading his house right. But this is what we deal with today, sin. That was a sin when you violate God's word, and no matter what you think, what you feel, or who is the cause of it, it doesn't matter. All that matters is, what did God say, and what is his plan to get back into peace with him? God had a plan. And when you look at the Bible, this is where blood was shed from the lives of innocent animals, a life for a life. And this is why eventually when God sent his only begotten son into the world, who Jesus was the son of God and also the very God manifested in human flesh, came into the world, he shed his blood for you and I. Therefore, reconciling us back to God, coming in as a second Adam, Fixing the mistake that the first Adam did to get us back to the original plan. I mean, if you met Mr. I mean, if you met Mr. Rubik's today and you said, look, I did it. I fixed it. I fixed it. Right? He's gonna look at you and say, You're an idiot. No, that's not what I no. No. You're supposed to put it all together and you're supposed to get all the sides. One, and, and this is really, if this represented religion, this is where most of the world stands, that some places we have in common, but then other places are just out. And I'm going to tell you why. I'll, I'll tell you why. It's because there are people that only allow Jesus into certain places in their life. And, he, and they won't allow him to change the rest, and he's not going to force you. But when you openly go to him and say, Lord, you tell me what's right and wrong. You tell me what I'm supposed to do. If I'm doing wrong, God, then show me. Show me. The dangers of missing it and misunderstanding is when you go to the word of God with sin in your life. Point number one, God's word is truth. The worst thing we can do, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show you how confusing this can be. You can have all the evidence you want to to validate and to okay a certain lifestyle or sin in your life. And if you look hard enough, you'll find something in here that would agree with you. 
It's called manipulation. It's called a mindset. That's why when you go to God and his word, you must go with a clean heart. You must go with the willingness to read what's good for the heart to be reconditioned and changed and reestablished to his original plan. Not coming up with your own combination of things and go, hmm, this, this is what I'm looking for, right? This is what I want. It's in the Bible, and this is what's happening in our culture right now. They're using the Bible to validate certain things by saying this. Here's one of the arguments. One of the arguments is that it's not God's word. If you, if you use anything that Paul wrote in any of the books, their argument is, in this culture right now, that's not God's word. That's Paul's word, and Paul was a murderer. It's not God's word. And then, if you're not praying, and if you're not on your toes, and you're not in relationship with God, it is very easy for you just to not respond. And I'm not saying you have to, but it's very easy for you to be persuaded and say to yourself, you know what, that's, that's true. It was Paul's writings, and then you don't have an answer, and you don't know what to do. That tells me someone's not been reading their Bible and praying. Because you see, God will help you understand. But when you have nothing but knowledge, even if you knew the Bible, you can argue all day long, but God doesn't want you to argue. He wants you to take a stance and be unmovable and unshakable. And you don't have to be provoked to argue with somebody who likes to argue. You see, hurting people hurt people. A lot of the people that are in this new movement called progressive Christianity really stem from a bad church experience. Either a pastor failed morally, or they were abused spiritually, or someone hurt them in the church. Therefore, they love Jesus. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. They still want to believe in him, but they tried to find their niche. And finally, something's risen up in the culture that says, we're Christians, and we're not going to judge you, and you can do what you want. Well, first of all, it's not my job to go throw the flags up and say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, right? My job is to say, he's right, this is what God said, it's not what I'm saying, but I'm telling you there's a better way. And you're invited to hear what I have to say by coming to church. I, again, no one forced you to be here. And since you're here, let's go ahead and be obedient and receive what God is sharing with us so we can be stronger in our faith and have stronger families, but you have to be willing. At some point, you can tune me out all you want to. It is a choice. But if you're hungry and you trust that I'm following Jesus and he's leading us, then you follow me as I follow Christ, as Paul said. Paul never forced anybody to follow him. Paul wrote what was in the scripture David was a man of imperfection. 
David had flaws. David, the king of Israel, murdered a man, committed adultery, and had a baby with her. But yet David wrote the book of Psalms, and there's another argument. That's not God's word. How can a murderer? Well, I'll, I'll tell you how. Through the blood. The systems that God has established that were in the heavens before we were created. Through the divine and the sure mercies of God. Yeah, God judges, but not all judgment is harsh. Sometimes the justice of God is the judgment of God. And it's called justice for a reason because God sets us free from our sin and ourselves. I hate to tell you, God did not come to set you free from people judging you. In the age that we're living in now, the better you are as a, in your character, the more righteousness of God that you have in your spirit to do the right thing, when you take a wrong stance, now they're calling good evil. That's confusing, isn't it? You know what that is? That is the spirit of Antichrist. While some of you are trying to find who the Antichrist is, Wake up. Paul said the spirit of Antichrist has been around for a long time. It's a spirit, not a person. It's the very characteristic of a culture infused by evil things and spirits that are changing, wanting to change the righteousness of God in the world by fear and intimidation, by trying to stop the Christ in you, the anointing. That's why some people have given up, because they are fearful of what others think and the culture is doing. Now is not the time to live in fear. Now is the time to ask God, remove the fear and put a boldness inside of me. That doesn't mean you scream in people's face. That doesn't mean you go out and start forcing what you believe. What it means is, is that you can't be moved, but when everything starts to shake, you can't be shaken. You're not, your, your, your kids are not falling into it because you are passionate enough and believe in it enough that you have begun to teach your children. Like God said, put it on the walls Put it on the doorpost. Put it everywhere. Teach your children. You may not be able to change the world, but you are responsible for your families. And your families must have an experience with God, not just a Bible study and rules and regulations. No, 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 no. God is more than that. Those are there for your protection, but there is something called grace and mercy, and there is something called the Holy Spirit, and there is a person that Jesus is that proves his love for you and I, not just to think it, but to experience it. This generation, I'm going to tell you right now, theology is not going to change them. It is not. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. It is going to be people who believe because they have prayed up, they have fasted up, they have studied up, they have prepared themselves. And when God shows up, he is the one that changes the hearts. You can't change the hearts. See, this is confusing right here. You're running into everybody. And the problem is, is that, you know, 
You've got God's original plan right here, but you're confused because you see the same object. See, the scripture says it like this, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. A form. You can call it all you want to. Before it was called progressive Christianity, it was called New Age. See? It was already there. They just put a different label on it, and they're trying to confuse. And they're trying to say things like this. Well, Jesus was gay because he didn't marry. What? Jesus was gay because he had long hair. What? Where in the scripture does it say Jesus had long hair? I mean, they cut their hair back then. I don't know. Maybe he wore a chungle. I don't know. But, just, but I, I'm okay. What does that have to do with anything? All I'm going to tell you right now is keep on coming. The, next, the series, during this series, you're going to hear what we have, what the Bible has to say about it and what we understand about this. Because all I'm saying right now is there is a better way. God's original plan was not to cause confusion, was not so your mind can be confused and be offended and hurtful about everything in the church. The church is a hospital. It is. But we don't, you know, at, at some point, at some point you stop being sick. I mean, you understand how hospitals work, right? I mean, you go to the hospital to get better, not to live there, right? So people use the church as, you know, the analogy of the hospital, but it, it, it can be that, but that's not what it is. The church is a place, a place, a group of people, actually. A church, the church is a group of people that have been saved, sanctified, and delivered from their sins that once were sinners, but now they are free. They're free. Not from the criticism of the world and the culture, but free from their own devices to have peace. Have you ever had peace? Have you ever known what it feels like to be reconciled with Jesus, to feel the reconciliated power of his presence and the love of God inside of your spirit where you don't feel like arguing with everybody, you, you, you're just patient and you understand and you listen and you know, okay, I, I get it, now I know how to pray. Now I know how to pray for you. I'm going to tell you a secret. If, if you and I disagree, that's okay. But once I know your name and what you look like, it's on. I'm praying for you. When I wake up in the morning, I'm going to pray for you. When I go to bed at night, I'm going to pray for you. And if you ever have a good thought, I'm asking God to invade that good thought and touch you with love and touch you with joy and touch you with peace. And I'm asking him to change your heart. I can't change your heart, but I know somebody who can. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of God. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of what? Christ, someone say Christ, the anointing in you. It's the anointing that shifts 
and puts everything back in alignment to God's original plan for humanity. Ho, ho, ho. The imperfect king said this, Psalms 119 and 160. He said, your entirety of your word is truth. He said, God, I don't doubt it. I believe the whole thing. And every one of your righteous judgments endure forever. In other words, Jesus said it like this, heaven and earth will pass away, but the word will never pass away. So you have the written word of God as it was inspired by the Holy Spirit and moved on men to scribe what the heart of God was. Then you have the spoken word of God, which was in manifestation in the form of the gifts of the Spirit, the lively word of God. Jesus called it living waters that flow from our very being. That word truth actually comes from the Hebrew word that means firmness, faithfulness, truth, something spoken of the testimony and judgment, a true doctrine. David was saying, everyone has an opinion. Everyone says this about who God is. Everyone believes this. Everyone believes that. That's where we're living at right now. But he said, Lord, I trust every one of what of every word. I trust everything you said. Just because the Bible was written by flawless, by fluff, men with flaws, doesn't mean that God is imperfect. God uses people. He has to use human beings. And people who have their life destroyed, mixed up, in trouble, I mean, people like Ruth, who had a testimony. People like the Apostle Paul, who was heading down the wrong road, finally surrender to the will of God and say, Lord, I, I'm sorry, I did it my way. Forgive me. And God filled him with his spirit, and God changed his heart, and God would speak through him. I have scripture for you. I, I, I have more scripture for you. But I want to write you what Peter wrote. Here's what Peter wrote. Peter wrote in 2 Peter 1 and 19. He said, because of the experience, we have been given greater confidence. We have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. He said, there's a message. And when you read the scripture, he said, you must pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in, dark, in a dark place. Their words... It's a light that means understanding. The word light and understanding are synonymous in the scripture. And when you read that, that's what Jesus was, a light to the world. That's why he was rejected by many because they did not understand him. But as many as received him, it says in 1 John, in John chapter 1, as many as received him, to them they became the sons of God. Not by the will of man, not by blood, but by his spirit. It's something that makes no sense. Because the flip side of this progressive Christianity thing says everything can be proven. Everything is logical and everything has reasoning. That's why they lean more on science. But you see, when it comes to God, not everything makes sense. 
It's void of logic because God defies the natural laws in this world to prove to us that nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. And so can you throw that scripture back up there, please? And so it says here even further in in 2 Peter, it says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in the scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. There's no private interpretation. It didn't come from their own understanding or from human initiative. Oh, it didn't happen that way. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and spoke from God. The only way you and I understand that is when we obey the Scripture and approach God according to His Word, the Holy Spirit touches us. Okay, do I have anybody here that understands that the Holy Ghost is still alive, that the Spirit of God is still moving, that anytime you lift your hands and talk and you pray and you approach God, that he fills your heart, that he fills you up? Is there anybody here that is filled up with the love of God, the joy of God? Is there anybody still excited about the salvation that's in your life and understand that you're not just being religious about this, but you are having an experience with the living God who is inside of your heart. Somebody say amen if that's you. You just can't go by theology. You have to go by an experience. Hmm. The Holy Ghost, point number two, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is the interpreter of the scripture. Number two, put that point up there. Thank you. All Mexican, thank you. No, I'm Hispanics, all right? They just, you do something mean, then you got to follow up with, oh, thank you. Because you're in public. Everyone's watching you. Anyways, the Holy Spirit is the interpreter of the scripture. See, you can't go to the Word of God with impure intentions or to validate your sin. Can't do it. You have to go and read this Word prayerfully with an open mind and say, Lord, show me. Show me. Talk to me. I've said it a hundred times, but it is the only book you read with the author is present with you every time. The only book you can read where the spirit of the author is there to whisper in your heart and tell you everything that he was saying to the reader. To give full understanding. And I believe A lot of these people that like to argue the word of God are very versed in Hebrew and are very versed in Greek, and they love to argue and show off their intellect to people who like to prove a point. But here's what I'm going to tell you. You can read it in the Hebrew or you can read it in the Greek. It doesn't matter unless you read it in the Holy Ghost. You must read the word of God prayerfully. And the author will come and visit you based on your desire. But you want to know something crazy now? 
the Rubik's company now has a Rubik's cube called the Impossible Rubik's Cube. I don't know if you can see this, but it changes colors based on the position that you have it in. So when I'm looking at it, like right now, everything looks orange. When I move it and change it like this, it changes color. Confusing, and that's why they call it the impossible Rubik's Cube. Because every time you look at it, it changes. Hmm, green, no, that wasn't, I don't, it's confusing. God's original plan. Progressive Christianity, a form of it. But you can't tell, and it's confusing. And if you're not prayed up, if you're not consistent with God, you're going to look at this and go, oh, it is right. Depending on the perspective that you have spiritually. Depending on your disposition spiritually. If you haven't been praying and you haven't been coming to church and you haven't been reading your Bible, and yes, I said it, if you're not coming to church, I'm telling you right now, that there is a difference between the corporate anointing and the one you have at home. The one you have in your prayer closet is wonderful. I love praying at home. But there is something different when I lift up my hands with my heart with God's people in the house of God and being in the atmosphere, feeling the anointing and the unction. It's just not the same. There is something more in God's house. That's why David, the flawed one, said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of God. Because in God's presence, there's a difference. There's so many people looking out there right now that are confused. There's so many people out there they're not going to receive it, folks, no matter what you say, because they're fixed in their heart already. And if you don't know where you stand, you'll fall for anything. There is a solution to every problem in this world. Even Mr. Rubik said it himself. <laughs> he said he created this thing so you could solve and realize there's so many different approaches, but no matter how difficult the obstacle is, there's a way to make it better. And that way is Jesus Christ for us. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know what's super cool about this as well? Here's what's super cool about this. You see, in the back of this package, it says this. It says, parents, parents. It says the parents. Isn't that funny? It didn't say, uh, hey, kid. It doesn't. It said, parents. Parents, hints and tips, solution guides, and video available at rubix.com. They got a website that gives you the actual procedures and secrets to solve the Rubik's Cube problem. You know what's funny? The first service, I had two solid sides on this one, and I got under the anointing, and I started feeling excited. I started preaching like that, and I put it back down, and now I can't get it back. <laughs> I messed it up again. You didn't see it earlier, but this was all white, and I was covering up the yellow. Huh? 
looking on. Told you. Told you. Did you know that God doesn't give instructions or commandments without wisdom? You think you can't figure it out? The Holy Ghost has already figured it out, and he'll speak to you through the Word. It's time for us to fall in love with the Word of God again and fall in love with prayer. It's time for every man to realize that unless he finds the leading of the Spirit and put Jesus in the forefront, we're going to lose our children. The biggest argument, this is what's happening in America right now, and it's happening in Victoria, is that people believe there's no such thing as hell. Are you kidding me? Jesus gave parables, talked to stories. There's evidence in here in the book of Revelation. Jesus did not come to send us to hell, but we send ourselves through our own devices and vices called sin. And I'm not going to go around and say, you're sinning, you're sinning, you're sinning, you're sinning. You're going to have to get on your knees and start getting serious and asking God, what am I doing wrong that displeases you? What do I need to do? I have faith in the blood. Thank you for what you've done. But God, give me your spirit because I want the power not just a form. That's the difference. Argue all you want to. You won't even argue. If you don't have enough sense and experience in God, you're going to say, hey, that's your, that's your choice, blah, blah, blah. That's the easy way out, right? How convenient is that? Oh, that's cool, man. Hang loose. Stay cool. Peace. Easy. But what about when your daughter or your boy starts <laughs> dating somebody whose parents raised him how to function with tarot cards and, and worship the devil? Yeah, yeah, don't believe. You don't believe it, huh? It exists, and it's out there right now. Satanic worship, they're getting more bolder than Christians are about their faith. And that's why this generation's going to them. You know what's weird right now? Christians are afraid to stand up for their faith because they've been taught wrong and they've been marred by religious people who tried to shove the Bible down people's throats. Had only someone taught them how to pray Stay grounded in the word and love people and learn how to pray for them. We'd see more salvations, more families that are strong instead of always going around judging everybody. See, now they're using it against you, against us. I don't go around judging people, folks. If I, if I see you at the, <laughs> you want to, can I be candid with you and tell you some, some funny moments for pastors? It's funny when pastors go out to eat and they see their whole congregation and see a couple over there drinking margaritas, right? And they're, the, the, the couple sees the pastor and they're, oh my God, Pastor Bobby's here. <laughs> or I run into you at the HEB and you see me in aisle 13 with the, you know what? 
and you see me, and you... <laughs> Pastor Bobby's here, go over there. You know I'm telling the truth. I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm here to tell you there's a better way. That's all I'm trying to tell you, that there's a new wine, that you can be drunk on Jesus, that you can leave your family under the influence of the Spirit of God. I'm just trying to tell you there's a better way. The reason why you're backing up and doing that because the Holy Ghost is convicting you, not me. <laughs> That's on you, not me. I prayed I got my holy water right here. Mm. Not me. You want to know what the Spirit of God does? Why we, why we teach the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why we help people understand what it really is? Why we can't be afraid to talk about it? It's because the power behind it. You see, this is still in the casement which represents the original plan of the one who created it. You see that plastic seal? That's like the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost protects you. And once you've repented and said, God, forgive me, he gives you the grace and keeps you pure. Where no one could come around and mess with your mind, mess with your heart, cause confusion. See, you're solid. You're sealed. That's what the Holy Ghost is. It's a seal. And you're, you're back to in peace with God. You don't have to hide yourself. You don't hide from God. You don't hide from the preacher. You don't hide from your mama. You're, you're not ashamed. Paul said, I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. I got a good conscience. God didn't call you to argue with everybody. He called you to be an example and to stand and to simply, your responsibility, your evangelistic field of ministry first is your family. First. And God has people for you that he wants you to win, but you're not going to win them by shoving things down their throat. You're not going to win them by judging them and calling out every one of their sins. You're not going to win them doing that. I'll tell you how you're going to win them is that, number one, you've got to spend a lot of time in prayer for them. We've learned throughout the years that it's hard to criticize somebody that you pray for all the time. And if you love them and you pray God to help you because God is the only one who can change the hearts of human lives. The only one. Who can change it? Come on, Haley. I'm, I'm going to read this one more scripture. I'm going to give you this. I have so much to say, but I want to give you this right here. John 16. Jesus knew that we would live in a confusing world. Jesus knew that we would face what seemed to be impossible situations where it seemed like no matter how hard we try to help somebody that we can't change them. Well, guess what? You were never meant to change them. You were just meant to be the change for them to follow. And as they see you, they say, you know what? I, I, I look at their family and I see peace. 
And I look at their marriage and I see joy and love and I see passion. I look at their children. They look blessed and they're going to church and they're doing this and I see their life. And, and yeah, blessings are an indication of the favor of God as well. But some of that stuff is just hard work, folks. You work hard, you get reward. But there is something called favor that makes things easier. And people recognize favor. Because they see peace in people's lives who aren't worried about things. And what it's meant to do is it's meant to separate you from everybody else and them say, man, I'm so confused. I'm so, I have so much anxiety. I, I haven't got good sleep in a while. But them, boy, they're always happy. They're always filled with joy. They, they're so forgiving. I've seen them be hurt, but they never respond in hate. I've seen them forgive, and they didn't have to. See, Jesus knew this. This is why he said... He said to his disciples, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your, to your advantage that I go away, for I do not go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. In other words, what he was saying, what's inside of me, I have to go now and give it back to the Father so the Father can now pour it out into your life. Jesus made up the gap because God was so holy and so pure, he said, I have to send my son into a messed up world. And although everybody else is doing their thing, I kept him pure and I kept him saved without sin. I sent the second Adam and showed the world what my plan was for them. But now I'm going to go away, he said, and the Father's going to give you what I had and restore you back to himself. And listen to what it says in verse 9. Uh, verse 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. That's why they don't believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see him no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. In other words, I took care of the devil. Don't blame the devil for everything. Now I've taken care of him. And then he said, I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot hear them right now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come and he will glorify me. In other words, he will brag about me. He will validate who I am. He will prove to you who I am. He will prove to you that I was resurrected. He will prove to you that I was without sin. He will prove to you that my blood does cleanse you. He will give you understanding and help you understand how different things are. And he will take of mine what is mine and declare it unto you. All things that the Father ha has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. In other words, you're going to have the same thing that I've got. Don't worry. Things seem shaky. They're going to persecute you. They're going to make fun of you. But don't give in to it. Because great is your reward. 
great is your reward. Great is your reward. You see, here's what I'm closing with right now. You must know him for yourself. We're going to get into this deeper throughout this series, and we're going to hit on some topics and to help you understand, to get rid of all the confusion and help you have a good foundation without being judgmental and fearful. You see, fear drives people on different aspects of their personality, and a lot of people are driven by the fear of of, of what people think, or the fear of losing control, or the fear of being ex- not accepted, the fear of, of so many things being out of order. But God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. During this series, we want to help you. Don't miss it. But you see, Jesus said to his disciples, because because he had 12 that he was responsible for. And he, and he told them in Matthew chapter 16, he, and he said to them, he said, what, who do people say that I am? What are they saying about me? And, and, then, he, and then they told him, he said, some, some say you're, you're Elijah come back from the dead, Jeremiah, uh, John the Baptist reincarnated. Some are... And he, and he was like, okay. But he was really concerned about them. You see, it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks, but your family, it matters what they think. He had 12 men and he said, but who do you say that I am? That's what matters to me. That's what matters to me. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. He said this, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven did. In other words, God can change the heart of every person but it's going to take a personal relationship and a revelation for yourself to know who Jesus really is and start to begin to trust that he has the power to help you do what's right. I don't care what everybody else thinks. I'm going to tell you right now, I I love you. I care about what you think, and I care about your perspective of Jesus because it falls under my criteria and my responsibility as an under-shepherd to Jesus, the real shepherd. But don't misunderstand me. More than that... I care about what my kids think about Jesus. Not about me, but about Jesus. I don't want to just tell them if the Bible said this, the Bible said that. No, 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 no. I want to say, hey, if you read the Bible, son, and say, come with me. Let's pray for a little while. Let me introduce you to him. All of my kids, since they were little, they got baptized in the Spirit. Why? Because mama and daddy were baptized in the Spirit. They all serve and come to church. Why? Because mama and daddy come and serve in the church. They all come and they all worship God freely. Why? Because mama and daddy worship God freely. They will follow your steps. And I'm trying to tell you, it isn't too late. As long as they're in your house, they're under your authority still. And you can't force anybody, but they're waiting for you to live. Lift up your hands and say, Lord, I surrender all. 
I surrender everything. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my mind. And I'm going to tell you something. Your neighbors are waiting for the same thing. They don't know it yet, but they're waiting for the manifestations of the Son of God in this earth. This world is waiting for the church to rise up and be everything that this word says he is and be everything that this Bible has promised and show it and prove it to people. Not tell them about it, but show them who Jesus is. That's what we need. If you feel that way, stand to your feet. I went long. But that's all right. I don't do it every Sunday. But are you good with what was said today? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you are or not. But do you understand what was said today? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. There's so many churches that are so seeker friendly they're afraid to talk about this they won't hit on the topics they'll be friendly about it inspirational i get that i get it we got to be inspirational we have to be loving i get all that but here at some point when the tide begins to come in and it's overwhelming you and it's forcing your kids to bow down to false idols and false mentalities and a culture that does not believe in jesus at some point somebody's going to have to come in and take a stance and say no, that's not how it is that's not what we believe that's not right come on, let me show you how it's done people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care including your family I am talking to every man under the sound of my voice. It's time for us to rise up and be the men that God's called us to be. You're responsible for your family. You're responsible for your wives. You're responsible for your children. You are responsible. I don't blame Eve. I blame Adam. There was a breakdown somewhere there. God has dealt with me so strongly. He's removed the fear out of my life and give me a boldness, only he can do it, to tell the truth and not be afraid of the repercussions because I have found that moments like this bring security to the church. It brings a sense of security to know that we stand, not to judge people, but to follow after Jesus with all our heart, mind, and soul. If you're in this building right now and you've not taken that first step, we're going to pray with you right now. If you've been praying for a while or been reading your Bible for a while or been living for God for a while or call yourself a Christian, maybe you've stepped out of the way. I want you to pray with us right now again. Can we pray together? Can you repeat after me and with your own heart? Can you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive us for falling. I can't do this without you. I'm asking you to help me. I'm asking you to show yourself to me. I am asking you to lead me back to the path of your original plan for my life. And I am asking you to seal me with the Holy Spirit and keep me from being tainted, defiled. Save me, Lord Jesus. And I'll give you the praise, honor, and the glory and all the credit in Jesus' name. Now lift up your hands and just thank them. Come on, all over the place.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.